This is Mark Westerberg doing my first podcast of an introduction to school improvement. I've been a superintendent for a long time and a high school principal and sat in almost every chair in a school district. I focus mostly on secondary school improvement. In fact, most folks call me the trimester guy. So if you went to www.trimesters.org, you would find me. I've been doing school improvement with districts all over the country for 30 years. It's really important to know that scheduling is only part of it. This podcast is going to focus on school policies and hopefully generate some good conversation in your districts about what works and what doesn't work and what do other folks do to solve some of those problems that we all have. So let's get started with attendance. Attendance is a problem that virtually every school has. Usually the issue in attendance has to do with the child not wanting to be at school for some reason or another, and generally a supportive parent who allows that to happen. So who makes the decision on attendance? Attendance is decided basically at the court level. There have been multiple court cases on attendance, what you can do and not do. So here's what the courts tell you. The courts tell you in a secondary school, you can grant credit or not grant credit based on lack of attendance. What you cannot do is grade on attendance. So for example, a teacher can't give a quiz on Monday when the student's gone and say, sorry, You don't get to make it up because you weren't here. You should be at school more. You can't do that. Also, you can't lower students' grades based on attendance. So if you miss 10 times, you get half a grade lower. The courts are very clear about not grading on attendance. The other thing that courts are very clear on is that you can set a limit in order to grant credit. So, for example, if you set a limit of 10, 12 absences, it is a reasonable number that if a student goes over that, there are consequences and they may potentially lose credit. So the report card won't have an F on it. It would have a no credit. What else do courts tell us? Courts tell us that you have to notify the students of what your policy is. You have to, during that time, give them notification of excessive absences. So, for example, if they're gone on the 5th, 7th, and 8th time, you send a letter home. That's notification. The final thing that courts have said is that when a student does reach the maximum, that there must be a way for them to redeem themselves. And how that happens can be very different. So one of the policies I promote on attendance has to do with final exams. It's my belief that final exams for a student should be a culminating experience of what happened in that semester or trimester. So the policy I promote is one that says, On the 12th absence in a semester, a student must get a C- minus on the final exam to have their grade calculated. 
It doesn't mean they get a C minus. It means they've earned the right to have their grade calculated. So a student who does absolutely nothing and gets a C minus on the final exam and was gone a lot will still fail the class. The student who gets a C minus on the final exam and does adequate work may get an A, B, C, whatever their grade calculates out to. But they have to earn the right to be calculated for a grade because they went over on the attendance limit. This puts the onus on the child to perform. That's what we want to do because parents call in all the time for things. In fact, call in when they shouldn't. So whether they're gone excused, unexcused, really doesn't make any difference. They're not in the class. In my world, excused means they were gone without a reason and there's a potential discipline. But absent is absent. Other than school-related absences, everything should count towards that number. In a semester, I like 12. If you're in a trimester, 8 or 9 tend to be the number before you have to pass that final exam. I do work with some urban schools who have adopted it by saying you just have to pass the final exam. I don't really like that very well, but I understand they want to try and limit their problem and keep it to a minimal expectation to try and at least move forward a little bit. In most schools, a C minus, a 70% grade on a final exam, is an acceptable number that we ought to be able to expect students to do. So at the end of a term, if the student was given the handbook at the start of the year, given notification, they hit number 12, and you tell them from this point on, you have to make sure you get a C- minus on the final exam in order for us to calculate your grade. Doesn't mean you're going to pass. You still have to do the work to pass and get a grade, but you have earned the right to have that grade calculated. And why did I pick a C-? minus? because I think that's a reasonable amount. D is below average and obviously F is failing. Those are not things that we want to promote. Secondly, I think it's a, this policy does something really important. It allows teachers to create a cumulative final exam. That's an important thing. In most grading scenarios, marking period one and two in a final exam, Generally, grades work, 80% of their grades come from their two marking periods and the 20% comes from a final exam. Teachers need to have a legitimate final exam for students. If a teacher has a lame final exam or just does some project or they have to turn something in or just makes it a unit test, that's on them. They gave the credit away. I didn't. And as an administrator, I can sleep like a rock over that one. Teachers need to have a legitimate final exam, and whatever they use for one student, they have to use for all. So, again, the onus is on the teacher to promote a final exam that's cumulative and means something, and is usually 20% of their grade. And it also requires the student to pass it at a C- level at 70%. I think that's fair for both. It holds the kid accountable, 
And it's a good way to instill the fact that attendance means something. One of the things that's really important is to remember that you're not grading on attendance. When they go over the limit, that is a no credit if they don't get the C- minus on the exam. It means it doesn't help or hurt their GPA. It also sends a message to students that coming to school is important. I often hear from parents, I don't know why you care about attendance. My kid's doing fine in the class. My response normally is, if I were your, their employer, I would have fired them already. Attendance is important. You need to be here. You miss out on class discussion and all kinds of things. We've learned through the pandemic that sitting in front of computer screens and just turning in work didn't help us educationally. So this attendance policy is one of those that I think is really important for schools to put in place. It puts the onus on the child to perform. It allows the teacher to calculate the grade instead of just giving them credit or no credit and they still earn a grade if they can achieve that level of success on a final exam. This attendance policy has been used in hundreds of schools that I've worked with. It is tried and true. It puts the onus on the child. The only absences that don't count towards the 12 are school-related absences. So they leave early for an activity or something else. That's not part of the 12. But whether it's excused or unexcused, they're still gone. They miss class, and there's no way to really make that up. Sitting after school and have attendance appeal committees and all that kind of stuff don't work. As soon as a kid hits 12, put the onus on the child to perform. That's my policy. I think it works very well. If you want to see examples of it, if you go to trimesters.org, you'll see some of those. But this is one of those things that it's kind of the baseline to start with. Because if you don't have the kids at school, you really don't have anything. And this has worked for a long time. Students who lose credit, for example, on an attendance policy, generally speaking, most schools now deny them from being on an honor roll. So not only did they not get on the honor roll because they went over, they may have received credit or not received credit. But it's important to be at school, and we need to really promote that. In middle school, when people use this policies, they look at it and say, if you go over the limit, yes, we're not granting credit, but we can mark something on the report card that says no credit. Because it doesn't really matter. They don't need credits to graduate. But certainly, you could deny them access to the honor roll or other things. If you have a junior National Honor Society, it would be a reason to suspend them from that program. So it's kind of the basis to get started with, because having them in school is the first thing that we've got to accomplish. I hope this helps. If you have any other feedback or questions, you can go to my trimester's website and send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I can send you examples. But thanks for listening in, and this is podcast one for me on school improvement and policy of attendance. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it.